Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Big Footy Bombercast. We are past the Bulldogs game. It's it, that that was this afternoon, and I'm I'm sitting here with a man that last week I did promise the listeners of the podcast that he was taking the week <laughs> off to find out exactly what was wrong with our club, and he would have all the answers as to what has gone wrong in our last twenty years. So, Grizz, our listeners are listening <laughs> intently. What has happened? Why are we so shit over the past twenty years? I've done some deep investigation, Bonta, and I've just realised that we just have no idea what we're doing as a football club. I think we can nut it down to that. Most importantly, our, our players can't football, which seems to be a major requirement of playing AFL, but I'm sure we'll t- talk about that as the pod goes on. And our special guest this evening is a man that I know was as disappointed as I was that Tom Hurd was not selected. And I think he he's actually now on board... The let's play Alex Hurd and pay whatever fine it takes to get him into the AFL. And that is Jamie. How are you this evening? I'm great. I'm great. I'm fantastic. And I reckon, yeah, pay, play Tom Hurd, play Alex Hurd. What are they going to do? Tell him to leave the field? Josh Mercedes. Just get all the father sons. Get the them all. Back. Get them all. Yeah, we did it with it. Stephanie Hurd when, we, when she was a team manager. We paid whatever fine we had to. Just do it again. Yeah. Play the sons and daughters of champions and just let's play them. And what are they going to do? What what are they going to do? There there was a very famous line from a from a big footy poster at one stage when the bands came down in twenty at the end of twenty fifteen and he said we should just play anyway. What what are they going to do? They can't stop us from taking the field. Which was uh, I can't remember who said it, but it was a it was a great line at the time, and it's something I'm feeling right at this time. Let's just do some stuff and see what happens. I mean, what's yeah? AFL, the AFL love us. They gave us three Friday night games in a row. They owe us. We paid the fine in advance, the $2 million, and whoever said it was a genius, and I think, just play them. Play them. Play all of the herds. Bring them all in. Bring the Mercedes. Bring the... There's an Alessio floating around somewhere as well. Just play them all. We'll play the, pay the fine. What are they going to do? They're not going to stop us. <laughs> but, of course, we did have a game today, Grizz, and, and I'll, I'll let you... And, and, look, I'll be honest. I'll do what I think is a very Essendon thing to do right now, and I'll handball... The opening <laughs> review of the game to you and, and tell us what your thoughts were. And as, I, as, I, as I received this hand by look around, um, about to get flattened by four incoming Bulldogs who were just waiting for that hospital hand pass. And Grizz, um, is, Grizz is not ready to, to do a review of the game. No, no. I'm, at all. No, I, I feel like I'm somewhat ready. Look, the, the, I did manage to watch last week as well and it's sort of been a very familiar tone. I think for the last month in that, you know, our contest stats are pretty good. It's just, um, we didn't work hard enough around the ground. We didn't chase hard enough. Our spread both offensively and defensively was horrendous. I don't know if like, it's just a, a conscious thing that we don't know what to do when an opposition switches the ball once in their back half. Like we act like every time it happens, it's like we've never seen a team do it before and they don't know how to defend it. it it's quite remarkable. But look, coming into this year, we're always going to be a better team than us. But on form, they haven't been. They've been pretty average to start the year, but they made us look second rate. They just sort of spread better than us. They worked harder. We thought dropping Dylan Shield to the sub would hopefully spur something, but with the exception of Zach Merritt, who is only two weeks back from a syndesmosis, um, we really weren't chasing much in defence. So it left our defenders isolated once again. And with the exception of probably Peter Wright and Nick Martin, there weren't a lot of positives to take out of today, I didn't think. Yeah, Peter Wright was, was a positive. But I I know, look, I'm going to be a little bit harsh here, but it, two of the goals he did kick sort of did come in junk time. So well, well, yep. he presented hard and, and, and the midfield certainly 
didn't didn't deliver great to him. He, I don't know. It, it, that to me, and as I said, I know I'm being harsh, but it does feel like a reach to say he's a positive to him, even though he did kick four goals. And but I mean, I'm pretty flat about the club at the moment. So you know, I'm looking at any positive with with uh, the half glass full approach. Really, there's not a lot of happiness coming out coming out of me towards the Essendon Football Club at this point in time. Like I said, Nick Martin continues to show that we haven't quite essington him just yet. We're on our way. But, you know, for someone that's, what, four games in, four or five games into his career, he's very composed. He still works really hard. I thought, you know, Zach accumulated some stats, but I do think he did try defensively. He did pop up in our back 50 quite a lot, trying to provide an extra number. And the fact that he's, what, his second week back from a syndesmosis and he's already our hardest working midfielder is either really good or a really bad thing. We're looking at you then, Jamie. Right. So uh, I think two things, Grizz. I think you're showing off now that you've said syndemosis twice and you've nailed the pronunciation. <laughs> so that's noted. But but I think, and Nick Martin, he was the only reason I didn't turn the television off and, and walk away. He's fantastic. I reckon he's he's one of the very few shining lights in terms of just, just a player who, who tries. And Durham as well. He, he's another one who just tries and, and he's, he's hard at the ball. But the thing that annoyed me a bit about um, Zach Merritt's game is a couple of times he did a tackle. And, you know, that's great that our midfield leaders are actually trying to do a tackle. But his arm slipped up a little bit. The opposition player dropped his knees and he just grazed the, the chin of the opposition. And they called uh, a, a high free kick against him. And you could just kind of tell that, okay, he's not going to do any more tackles anymore. That, that's kind of him done. But watching the game today, it's like, we're, we're trying to replicate training drills that we've done during the week. And, and, and we look somewhat perturbed that there's actually opposition team, you know, a, a opposing us <laughs> while we're doing it. And, and it kind of just annoys us that we can't just do the little dinky hand passes in a star of five. Um, while someone's trying to get the ball off us, I did. I did laugh because somebody said to me that, that Nick Martin is our um, is definitely one of our best players at the moment. But you can see that he hasn't been in the Essence system very long, because, because <laughs> he still knows what to do. He still knows how to move the ball forward when he gets the ball in his into his hands. But just on on Zach and Darcy, and look, Darcy again had another. Um, he, he, he had another lot of stats today, I suppose, is the way of putting it. You know, Zach had 36, Darcy had 32. But Zach had 27 handballs and Darcy had 19. I mean, if you're going to... Surely surely the ratio has to be the other way around. Surely you, you want to have more kicks than handballs. And I, th- I thought Shield was okay once he came on. His first 30 or 40 seconds, I think he had about five touches and laid a couple of tackles. So he, he, he looked like he really wanted to make a statement when he came on. Um, but then obviously, you know, it was pretty hard to keep that, that sort of pace up. But it's interesting with Parrish because there was a stage there today where Parrish blazed away going to the Ford 50. It was then turned over. It went back up the other end. He then was on the end of a kick that he should have marked at the defensive 50. He dropped it, it turned over and the Bulldogs hit to goal. And someone made the point that, you know, if Dylan Shield had done that, our board would have absolutely erupted. It would have been pages and pages of just howling about Dylan Shield, but, but Darcy did it. So, you know, we sort of let him off a little bit. I mean, it was a little bit of a, you know, that wasn't a great passage for Darcy, but we, we, we didn't really focus on that, I suppose, as as, as supporters. And, and it does sort of raise the question that, that maybe someone like a Darcy Parish needs a real rocket because the re- reaction to him doing something poor at the moment is sort of offset by the fact that, well, he's still getting his 30-odd touches. But, you know, are him and Zach doing a lot with those 30 touches at the moment? I found myself turning into the old man at the footy who, after a couple of chains of handballs, I find myself just yelling out, just kick the thing, just kick the thing. 
but they just really need to, at some point after half a dozen handballs that are just floating up in the air, going backwards or a meter to someone else, just kick the thing. And I think that's the thing with the, you know, with the 30 possessions to half time, if half of those are ineffectual or just go to somebody who's in even more pressure and under, you know, even more stress to get rid of it. What, what What's the point? I think with Darcy, like, disposals is irrelevant. And that, that's going to sound really weird. But I don't look at it as disposals. So he had 32 disposals for 325 metres gained. So he's only, on average, gaining 10 metres of disposal. Compare that with, you know, Bailey Dale, who's almost 800 metres on 24 disposals or Ed Richards, who's almost 700 metres with 20 disposals. They're just, you know, and I know they're half-back, so, you know, the whole shtick is kicking and running the football, but it just goes to show that you don't get a lot of bang for your buck with Darcy and Zach at the moment, and probably even Dylan Shear when you think about it. Jai Caldwell hardly got the ball to three-quarter time, and we want to talk about poor efforts. There was one passage, I think it was in the third quarter, where Caldwell and Trelaw started sort of side-by-side at a stoppage at half back Trelaw took off and basically got the ball and took four bounces and then they panned out on the replay and Joe Caldwell standing at half back <laughs> meanwhile Tom Cutler has you know seen that Joe Caldwell hasn't chased and so he sprinted 20 meters off the other wing to try provide a chase and the Bulldogs go forward I think kick a point but just goes to show that you know, the, the lack of effort at the moment in defensive running and in all sorts of areas isn't limited to just Dylan Shield. It's limited to really our whole midfield group at the moment, to be honest. The touches are irrelevant. What are you doing with it? And more importantly, what are you doing without the ball? Because like Jamie said, we're just sort of flicking it around in circles and not really doing anything productive with our disposals. And, you know, the side kicking, I don't know if we're just doing it, but like the ball movement's so slow. And generally teams that move the ball move, move the ball slow, like Geelong and Collingwood for a time, do it so they can set up their defence behind the football. But we're moving the ball slow and not def- setting ourselves up behind the football because we're turning it over and just getting absolutely <laughs> crucified on the way back. So what are we even doing? It's, it's just bizarre. You're right. And, and, and I think... We, we've somehow got drummed into our, into our heads that as soon as we get the ball, hand pass it off so it's no longer your responsibility <laughs> and it's someone else's problem. And that's what it is. And you see the opposition players, they'll get the ball, go to run, look sideways and forward to see if someone's running past and go to take a bounce. We get the ball, we actually raise our right arm to go for a hand pass and we'll run ready to dish it off on a hand pass rather than run looking to to kick it to somebody. It's our first and only instinct is to get the ball and get it off, hand pass it to someone so it's no longer our problem as quickly as we possibly can. It's awful. It, it is. And but but Chris, I do want to throw something at you because it was something that I I heard Ross Lyon say uh, on the radio, which I thought was a very interesting point. He said he did say today that he thought our midfielders were pushing back, but he thought they were pushing back too deep on, on the on the counter. He, he said at some point the midfielder has to the midfield has to back the defenders in to do their job. So so his point was that was part of the reason that they were able to transfer the ball so quickly, and teams have been able to do that against it, is because the spots where our midfielders meant to be up on the wings, the halfback, the wing, that sort of area, they're not there. They're inside our defensive 50. And so teams are just strolling forward because there's nobody in that zone. So so he actually thinks that we're potentially setting our zone up far too deep. But yeah, I mean, is that something you've noticed or, or do you think maybe maybe Ross is just trying to uh, create something where there's nothing? 
So it depends where the turnover and the transition is coming from. I still think our ability to let teams stroll off halfback or our half forward line through the middle of the field, like your midfielders aren't getting deep then. They're just caught on the hop. And that's the example I brought up with Joe Cordwell. In the terms of repeat entries, yeah, you're probably right. There were multiple times where um, Zach Merritt found himself basically at fullback <laughs> trying to find the ball and provide an outnumber with Jordan Ridley, who I actually think, did, talking about positive, did a decent job on Aaron Norton, probably. But it depends where the turnover's from. And that's what I was saying more. When we turn it over coming out of halfback, yeah, we probably are caught too deep. But we're probably turning it over because all our defenders are on the last line and there's no one up there to provide sort of a contest. But, yeah, I, look, again, when you play such a slow way out and when we do get control of the football in a mark, we're so slow to make a decision. You do that to try to set your defence up behind the football. And it just seems like we have no idea. And I said it before, but it's like we've never seen a team switch the footy before. Because every time it happens, <laughs> they always have two or three players out. It's like, how have we not figured this out in six rounds? Anyway, it's just unbelievable. It, it, yeah, I, I don't know, like... Look, I'll be honest. There's only so many ways we can we can skin skin this cat and say that um uh, that Eston struggled today. The poor movement was slow. So instead of focusing on what's already happened, let's let's turn to next week's game, which is of course against Hawthorne. Now I don't know about either of you two. I'll, I'll, we'll start with you, Jamie. But just just I'll, just for me. I hate Hawthorne, I think, more than any other club. I know that we have our rivals with, with Collingwood, with Carlton mm. and, and the rest. And, and look, for other people, they're the bigger rivals. But, I mean, I've, I've got some family members and friends who support those, so I'm probably a little bit softer on them than other Essendon fans. But Hawthorne, just, they just grind my gears. And it was absolute hell that during our time with WADA and all that rubbish that happened, you know, in, in the mid, mid-2010s, that, you know... Hawthorne were three-peating. I mean, that was just brutal for me. So, but yeah, I mean, what, what about you? Do you do you think Hawthorne's our, our biggest rival from your point of view, or is there somebody else out there that you hate more? Look, to be to be perfectly honest with you, I probably hate Essendon the most, and then <laughs> Hawthorne would be a very close second. But but you're right. Like you know, I was my formative years was in the '80s, where Hawthorne was always you know an arch rival then, but it was a respectable arch rival, and it was a, a you know a, a nice rival, but, but you know, you're right. In the last five, ten years, it's been we've got nothing, and and they've been awful and and successful and arrogant, and it's been ho- horrible. So yeah, I, I I would like most to beat Hawthorne if it was at all possible. Unfortunately, I don't think it is. Um, having said that, I'm looking forward to getting excited during selection. And Thursday is my favourite time of the week when um you know we look at the selection table and we you know we we say yes yes we finally done some good decisions at the selection table this is our week this is our week bonds this is our week and then invariably we'll get let down but yeah i'm looking forward to thursday selection so that i can get amped up for the weekend i reckon it's hawthorne 1a carlton 1b um i don't really have any sort of strong feelings towards collingwood and richmond and those sorts of teams to be honest i think carlton uh, are probably a bit like us in that they've probably waited even longer for success than we have. But I think 
<laughs> Hawthorne and um, Carlton are probably my two most hated football clubs. But yeah, Hawthorne's going to be no easy beat. They're playing good footy this year and they play a really attacking style. Uh, and the way they move the ball by foot seems to be uh, our Achilles heel. And we have a lot of Achilles heels at the moment. But, you know, uh, one that we see quite often at the moment in terms of ability to switch the ball and use it by foot. So it's um, certainly going to be a tough match. And they gave Melbourne all they could handle on Saturday mm-hmm. night, which... You know, if, you, if you're pushing Melbourne to the limits like they were, you're a decent footy team. They're well drilled and oh, I think they're probably the better team, but I think the gap isn't so big that we're not a shot at least. It's going to be interesting to see us play Hawthorne because it really is, I mean, they have a very contrasting style to us. So for example, we, we, we overuse the ball a lot. We take a lot of possessions, but I don't think they do that anywhere near as much. So they actually used to be probably in the same position we are when when Tom Mitchell and, and, and Jagger O'Meara were, were getting 30-plus touches every week and then everyone else was sort of doing their piece. But if you actually look at it now, so Tom Mitchell's averaged 28 touches this season. And then after that, you've got James Sisley with 23. So they've actually only got four blokes. And, and John Newcomb's one and, and Jath's the other one. Four blokes averaging 20 or t- more touches. Whereas, you know, then you look across at us, and we've got Zach with 35, Darcy with 34, Andrew McGrath at 24, you know, Shield, Heppel, Martin, Caldwell. They all, we all average... 20 or more. So they, I think, tend to spread the ball around a bit more and, and be a bit more direct and, and use the ball sparingly, whereas we're a very heavy disposal side. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see how those two styles actually you know, contrast against each other. They kick the ball far more than we do. They play a very direct style. They've got Jath who just comes off the halfback flank like he's on pingers or something. Like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's the, the way they play is so different to ours. And I say that as a joke, obviously, if you're listening, um, CJ. But um, it, it's, it's... I have no doubt quite, he's listening. I, yeah, that's I'm it. Sure. Um, <laughs> he's that, not um, going to remember. He's too all ping it up to yeah, recall it. tomorrow. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is they play such a direct style of football. It's a very Sam Mitchell. You know, when you think about how Sam Mitchell used to play, you know, um, amazing foot skills, a real attacking style. And, you know, they can get opened up on the back, so on, you know, the other side of the football. But I don't think we're nearly attacking enough to make sort of any use of that. So oh, I think if we're going to win this game, it's going to be in the trenches and it's going to be a, a complete ascendancy at clearances. It's probably what we're going to need um, to get the ball forward quickly and, and pin it in there and score quickly from that. I think the other thing with Hawthorne this year is they have had a number of probably lesser-named players turn up in ways that, oh, you know, even their most optimistic of fans wouldn't have thought. And Dylan Moore is definitely one of those players. He's been exceptional so far this season as a half-forward link-up player because he, he does, he gets down to the half-back line. He'll, he'll get his, his kick down there. But then, you know, by the end of the by the um, end of the the passage of play, he's actually up the other end on the end of on the, on the end of the thing he started down the half-back line. So there, are, it pains me to say they are a very well-drilled, as you said, Grizz, very well-drilled side right now, and. I think they're going to be very difficult for us to beat. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm nodding here like an idiot as I watch other games of football and know how Hawthorne play, but I don't. I mean, watching the Bombers is like playing Elden Ring. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's a massive grind. It's hard work, but damn it. I bought it. I made a commitment. I'm going to see it through to the end, but I'm not going to watch other teams play. <laughs> I've never played Elden Ring, but um, it, sound, it sounds like fun. Uh Oh, it's awful. It's awful. I, I mean, I was. It, it was so bad watching the Bombers play. At about three-quarter time, I thought, I'd much rather do anything else here, like stick kerosene-soaked bamboo skewers up my urethra, or 
go and play Elden Ring for a while. That's a fair old comparison. <laughs> That's a shout out to the gamers listening. <laughs> the, the other problem we've got, obviously, is Hawthorne's key forwards. You know, um, I, I'm going to present a handful. Yeah, you know, Mitch Lewis missed, but I think he should be back against us, which would be lovely. And, and again, how fantastic is that for Hawthorne? Pick 78 and they've picked up a key forward that we would kill to have our hands on right now. I, I've sort of been quite impressed with our key defenders this year, considering the duress <laughs> the midfield have put them under at different points. But I think so much of their key forward success comes from how they move the football. They do get a lot of one-on-one looks for those guys. And Mitchell Lewis, you're right, is a steal at pick 78. Anytime you can pick up a player at pick 78 is a bonus. If you can pick up a a key position forward that looks of pretty good quality at pick 78, then, you know, that's quite... Do you remember when he was was drafted? That was the year they got rid of Jordan Lewis and Sam Mitchell. And then... They, they got rid of Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis, then drafted a guy called Mitchell Lewis. And we all thought it was like something <laughs> like, like, they can't be serious. They're just taking the mickey now. But, yeah, apparently it, it's worked out quite well. Um, I don't know. I didn't watch the VFL on the weekend, but I know Harry Jones didn't play. We're now at round seven, possibly round eight, and he hasn't played yet. He missed the last 10 or so, eight or so games of last year. So it's starting to become a significant worry for mine. Um, I got two words for you, Grizz. Scott Gumbleton. Ah, yes. Uh, the cursed words of Scott. Uh, don't, yeah, look, I hope not. I hope not. But regardless, Waller seems a fair way off. Tom Hurd um, is somehow our most promising player. And we can't even bring him in because we have no long-term injuries and he's a cat B rookie. So. Oh, do, do you know what? Tom Hurd is not even the best Hurd in the VFL team. Oh, well, there I you go. I didn't realize James. I didn't, I didn't know. Fine. What are they going to do? I didn't know James had pulled the boots on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so isn't it very Essendon that of the two brothers running around the VFL, the one that's playing the best is not even on our list. And the one that is on, yeah, on our list, we can't even play because he's a Cat B rookie. Like, is there any more Essendon scenario than that? But, you know, anyway. Well, well Alex didn't actually play this weekend. So I think Jamie may be overstating the, uh, the, how good he is compared to Tom. Although Tom, did, Tom has been on record as saying Alex is the better player. But looking at the VFL this week, they, they again, unfortunately didn't hold on to their halftime lead and they went down to the Bulldogs by by 13 points at the Witten Oval. And the concerning thing is, which we've, we've said previously, is is you look at the, the stat sheet and, you know, Joe Attlee had the most touches for us. Then Sam Conforti, it goes down there. Braden Ham had 21 touches. So, yeah, he's probably knocking on the door again. Nick Hind played all right with 20 touches. Garrett McDonough, who, or however you pronounce it, I'm not sure actually sure how you pronounce it. He he played old well. man Donahue. Old man Donahue, yeah, that's the one. He's the, he's 58, right? Turning <laughs> 58, yeah, the oldest player so. on any list ever. You'd think so, by the way. He's talked about on the board. You think you know he's just got his pensioners card. He's the but, project. Um, he's the project player <laughs> that we picked up for 26. Um, yeah, so you know he he was alright, but but none of these guys are going to be playing inside mid, are they? That, and that's the thing, and that's where we we we're still get smashed in in the well, not inside mid, but you know just midfield in general. I mean, I know, I know you and I probably disagree about Ham on on in the midfield at AFL level, Grizz. I think you do think he has a future on a wing, if I'm not mistaken? Oh, no, not in the midfield. No, 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 no. No. As a wingman or a halfback? Sure. No, he's... I don't think he's going to be an AFL standard midfielder. He's nowhere near big enough. And um, I think 
his best asset is his running ability, which ironically is probably what we could use in our midfield at the moment, at least defensively. But I, I think there's a spot for him on a wing, definitely. I'm still old-fashioned, Grizz. I count the I count the wing as as, as the midfield still. It's, it's mate, still that's, that's mate, still a I'll, midfield spot for me. Old-fashioned, if you were old-fashioned, you would consider the wing completely different to the midfield. Calling a wing a midfielder is a very 2020 notion. It's back in the 80s and 90s with Robbie Flower and Robert you know, DPA Dominico playing exclusively on the wing. That's a specialist position. Sorry, can you just pronounce Dipper's last name again? DPA Dominico. I'm not too sure that's how... I'm not going to try and pronounce myself, but I, I don't think that... Is that how it's pronounced, Jamie? Uh, de Medico. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit quick. Oh. That's, that's a bit more what I thought. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I just, it just, I just, Jeez. are we talking about, um, but yeah, no, well, okay. I'll take, I'll take your point. And look, and look when I say you, you're probably right, it probably eighties and nineties, the, the wing position was considered a specialist position, but I, I very much consider it in the midfield, but um, yeah. yeah no, well, it is in the, it is in the modern day. So yeah. in the modern day, if the ball's on your wing, you basically play as a midfielder. If it's not on your wing, you basically run the half back. That's how, I don't know. The, the, the modern wingman doesn't exist really, but I think there's, anyway, we're arguing about Braden Ham, which I think is a, a good use of no one's time, to be honest. But <laughs> Well, look, you know, now that Cox has faked an injury to, you know, get out of the team, he could oh. have a spot in the uh, wing. Don't get a status on Cox. Like, well, seriously. If, Co- if, Cox is, if Cox has got a long-term injury, there's, there's Tom Hurd's um, entry into the side. Oh, there we go. If Cox is injured, legitimately injured, I will bear my bum in Burke Street. <laughs> <laughs> you've, gone, you've gone very hard on poor old Cox. <laughs> no, no, no. I, good luck to him. If he doesn't want to be there and he's you know playing in the wrong position and he's bored and disinterested, whatever you need to do to look after yourself, fake an injury... You know, spend some time elsewhere. Good luck to him. But it, I reckon he has pulled up a little bit short. Oh, 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 bit sore, bit sore. Just to get out of the field and get off the, uh, get off the train wing. wreck. Oh. Yeah, get off the wing. Well, he actually started today's game at at, um, at, he, he, at the very first bounce. He played out of the square. So I thought they'd finally decide to play him as a forward. And then, and then um, after we kicked the first goal, he then lined up on the wing at the next one and... All hell broke loose again. But yeah, so in terms of changes, because yeah, just no, there's not much in the VFL knocking down the door. The only one, and I've said before, and I'll say it again, Nick Bryan has to play AFL football at some point. I just don't understand how you've got him running around. And look, Draper was really good today. Draper, yeah. Draper was excellent today for what he provided. But yep. you know, Kane Baldwin... He, he, Kane Baldwin, nowhere near the rut, whatever he is doing. yeah. Get him away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, like Kane Baldwin, I appreciate that we need to give him some time because he's his injuries, but he's he's not AFL quality at the moment. And and if you're going to play him as a second ruck, which we did at times again today, and I said on this podcast last week, and I stand by it, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen having a guy who's coming off two knee recos playing as the second ruck. You're much better off playing Nick Bryan because, for starters, we know Nick Bryan can play at AFL level. We saw, we've seen him do it. Albeit one game, but he still played, still played reasonably well. And secondly, you know, Sammy Draper started clunking some marks, so his, his set shots aren't great, but he, you know, he, he's worked on it, so they're not as bad as they were. So, yeah, I, I just still think that Nick Bryan, Sam Draper, is that as that one-two punch, one one of the ruck, one forward, is is a option that just I don't understand why we haven't taken it. But 
you know. It's... Yeah, look, one, one thing I will say about Kane Baldwin is his ability to take a football to the face is AFL standard. Yeah, he did get Falcon today. He got Falcon last week too, I think, the poor, poor Yeah, Rogers, so. he's got form and he, he takes it like a champ. And I don't know many other AFL footballers who can take a football to the face like he can and shake it off and keep on, well, trying to play football. <laughs> well, lads, I think that's going to do us for tonight. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always a tough slog to talk about the Essendon Football Club after yet another disappointing week. It will be, as I said, it's going to be very fascinating to watch us play against Hawthorne because I, I think their midfield is one that we will stack up well with and... and I'm still not sold that their key position players are all that great. So, you know, it's, it's one of those games that, as you said, Chris, we're actually not that far behind them. And, and the other exciting thing, of course, is we get to watch Sam Frost. And who doesn't love Sam Frost taking a mark and then tucking the ball under his arm, running 15 metres? You just never know what's going to happen when Frosty gets gets his hands on that pill. So, so yeah, I, Sam Frost was great in The Bachelor. She yeah, was great. Sam, yes, Sam Frost was also very good in The Bachelor. So, but, uh, so I, that's something I'll definitely look forward to this week is watching Sam Frost uh, run around and hopefully make some horrendous turnovers and gift us a couple of goals. I'm going to do a cheeky prediction. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Darcy Parrish will be out with COVID protocols for the Hawthorne game. Right. Makes absolutely nothing. What kind of thing? Okay. But if it comes to three, I'm going to look great. <laughs> Darcy Parrish, COVID protocols, out for Hawthorne. Next minute, there's a next minute there's a news news article about a man named Jamie who just went on, you know, just <laughs> sprayed something on yeah. Darcy Parish midweek. Yeah. I'm going to deliver a chicken to his house, a hot roasted chicken, <laughs> and he'll be gone. Oh, poor old Nick Hind. Yeah, well, you know, even maybe Hind comes back this week and we try and play a bit more direct and get him just to run and kick. I don't know, but but yeah. So that well, that's that's Jamie's Grizz. Do you want to have a do you want to have a an out there prediction for us, Grizz? Oh well, he set the bar pretty high there. Like that's that's really out there. Is it more out there to say I think Essendon might actually win this? Yes, is oh, that, is that more... That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, okay. be, we're, we're realistic yeah. on this podcast, Chris. Oh, sorry, all right. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I think that... I, yeah, I think Hawthorne will win. I think Peter Wright could kick five. Oh, I could get behind that. Yeah, actually, there was one today... Um, I did see somebody had a had a small wager on Peter Wright to kick five and in the last quarter where he, he kicked four and then... He, he let one go for Jakey Stringer, which he probably could have snaffled himself, done a done a Tom McDonald. So that bloke's probably not ha- not not happy with Peter Wright <laughs> right about now either. Um, but okay, well, crazy predictions. Well, I suppose I don't really have one a crazy prediction, but um, I, I'll just say I think Jake Stringer is probably going to kick six goals next week. I, I think he, he's. Uh, He's looked a bit down. He has been a little bit injured, but he also does has gone his traditional pick and choose when to go time. And I think next week he's just going to decide, no, I'm going to rip it up. We're going to have a dominant game and he'll kick six as, as we go down by 73 points. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Kick six and go down by... That would be a very bizarre <laughs> set of circumstances. Hey, I'm going for out there predictions. And look, I'm not I'm not as crazy as you, Grizz. I'm not going to even mildly suggest that we're going to win this game, but I will okay. concede you are right. I'm so- we're, not, we're not as far away from it. As, as potentially, um, as I'm sorry, I, I got I got carried away, lads. I'm sorry that that was. <laughs> but that will do us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again for listening, and all as always, tune in next week because we will be able to discuss whether whether or not Grizz's prediction was as insane as Jamie and I have made it out to be. <laughs>